What if you were born with a disease that you always knew would kill you? And then what if all of a sudden you were given a second chance? Well, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's the question that we explore on the new podcast series, Breathless from Snack Labs. Join me, Jeremy Saunders, for a series that explores what it means to live and die, to love and to lose, and what it's like to have your whole life turned upside down and the unexpected challenges that come with a life-saving drug. You can listen to Breathless now, wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my loves. Bridie here. Welcome back. Turn Me On Podcast. This week, Jeremy and I are speaking with Dr. Amir Marashi. Now, Dr. Uh, Amir is an internationally acclaimed OBGYN and vaginal surgeon. And we spoke with Dr. Amir about his very cool origin story. You know we love a good origin story. And what brought him to do the work that he's doing presently in New York. You're going to love this conversation. We love this conversation. We love you. Hope you're well. Enjoy. We'll see you on the other side. Uh, he's a year and seven months and uh, full of energy, and he loves getting up on that table. So, yeah. you know, very likely will be right up in your face. They have too much energy. I know. <laughs> I have a golden doodle, four months golden doodle, and I can't keep up. With oh, it. my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're total so goofballs. Soft. They're so sweet. Yeah, very sweet. I don't have any shoes left, man. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's right. yeah he's the same. He just he loves shoes. Um, well, this is this is very exciting. Um, we are sitting down today with Dr. Amir. Uh, let, me, let me get that one more time. Uh, this is very exciting. We are sitting down today with Dr. Amir Marish. You got this. Jesus Christ. You got you. Want me to do you it? know what's really funny is I fucking said it at the very top and <laughs> you nailed said it. It's right the first I know, time. I know. Yeah, I know. Oh, we're sitting down with Dr. Amir Marashi, there you uh, go. the internationally acclaimed OBGYN and vaginal surgeon. Um, who has dedicated his 20-plus year career to revolutionizing the standard medical approach to female anatomy, promoting sexual wellness, and providing orgasm equality for people with vaginas. Yay! Which, all of those things, I mean, all those things are right up our alley. They're <laughs> all things that we've been harping on and talking about for, you know, six years plus. Um, but I think this is the first time we're sitting down with, with a uh, OBGYN who's, like, very much dedicated to this yeah. line of work. Uh, Amir, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to, to sit down with us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you. 
can you can you give us a li- like you I, I feel like you have a really interesting backstory. Um, uh, you know, Brady was was kind of giving me a little bit of a lowdown on the drive over to the studio today. Um, but I'd love to hear it from you. Like what? Um, give us a little bit of your history. How did how did your origin story? How did you f- uh, find yourself in the work that you're doing today, Amir? Well, it started. I mean, I, I became a physician because that's the only thing I knew how to do. My father is a physician. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And back in Iran, we were in the middle of the war. With uh, Back then, uh, it was the Iran-Iraq war. Mm-hmm. And uh, they would bring casualties, uh, like literally to our doorsteps because we lived in a hospital. So since age of four, I was following dad uh, everywhere he went. Uh, and I started stitching people up when I was probably eight, nine years old. Um, he pushed me through like all the schooling and everything very fast because he's like, look, you're becoming a doctor. So you better get to medical school faster than your peers. So I did like first grade, second grade during the summer, went to third grade, fourth grade during the summer, went to fifth grade. And ended up going to medical school when I was uh, 15 and a half. Ended up graduating at 22. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. So that, that, I didn't know anything else but becoming a physician because he was a doctor. Everybody else, all his friends were doctors. And I really appreciated the work they are doing and the help they are doing to people. So afterwards, uh, of course, I'm going to medical school. And in medical school, I'm the youngest person. I'm 15 years old. Um, but I have a lot more experience because I already did all of these things. Mm. Uh, so I started learning more and more, uh, was assisting my dad in all his surgeries until the end of medical school. I was doing a lot of operations on my own. But, uh, you know, in Iran, what brought me towards gynecology, and especially vaginas and see, you know, the connection there was really the way I saw women were treated in Iran. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's a very big double standard. I always thought, I'm like, you know what, God is a man, probably uh, back in Iran. But then when I came to America and England, I'm like, you know what, it's the same here. You know, they don't put it in your face the way they do it in Iran, you know, that, oh, you have to be a virgin when you get married. But here you have the double standards too. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, they don't show it the way, you know, they would show it in Iran, that where they were so bold and open about it. Um, but uh, here you have the same thing, different way. But that kind of got me to start helping these women who were trying to get married, but of course they were not virgins. And they could have lost their lives on the night of, you know, basically marriage. So I had to basically stitch them up. And so many times even their husband-to-be, their boyfriend, he knew about it. He's like, look, I know, but we need to do the surgery for her because my mom is going to take her to a gynecologist to check her before we get married. And I don't want to, you know, and I don't want, you know, there to be any stigma following her. So uh, initially, of course, I started working with a gynecologist who was a friend, uh, my father's friend, and he started teaching me all these procedures slowly but surely. But then I started doing more and more of that. And imagine being like 17, 18 years old, uh, you feel like you're doing something that nobody else can do. It gave me so much power. And I'm like, I'm helping these women. And so I knew that I definitely want to do OBGYN as much as I loved orthopedics, uh, which is my dad's speciality. So when I came to U.S., I got more involved in it. I did a lot of research on endometriosis and, you know, pelvic pain. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then uh, afterwards, uh, we ended up, uh, after I finished my residency in OBGYN, uh, I started seeing a lot of patients who were victims of female genital mutilation. Mm. And there are a lot of them in Brooklyn, New York, because... Uh, of course, there are so many people from different backgrounds. So we had Egyptian patients, Sudanese patients. And these are, I mean, it's a culture. It's a very wrong culture that at age of five, six, they like literally cut their clitoris. Oh uh, they turned them into a baby making factory. 
you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's just like uh, doing circumcision for men. It's completely different. It's like cutting, the, for men, it's like cutting the glance of the penis yeah. or cutting half of the penis off. It's completely different than circumcision. They call it female circumcision, but it's not. Yeah. It's, it just takes everything from them and it makes them into a baby making factory. So when I saw that, I realized this is what I really want to do. And uh, been trying to do more and more. I mean, you talked about the fashion show. That was really the reason behind doing the um, designer vagina fashion show. People think, oh, the name is so big, designer vagina fashion show. <laughs> what kind of pervert does that? Everybody's like, oh, what, what kind of, do you have people naked there? No, we didn't have people naked there. It was really to empower woman about these procedures and for them to see that it's not just you know making something look cute it's about functionality it's about helping people get orgasms it's about empowering this woman who never had orgasms and it, it, it went really well so really to break down the taboo and i i love coming on podcasts i love doing TV shows, doing different things, because we all need to talk more about this and yeah. take away the taboo from women's sexuality and women's orgasm. You know, yeah. for men, it's okay. You know, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure. But, you know, Viagra, it didn't take that long for Viagra to get approved. Mm -hmm. It was very fast. I mean, COVID vaccine took almost the same amount of time to, you know, get <laughs> yeah. approved. And supposedly it was an emergency. Yeah. So, it's uh, erections are not that urgent, you know, uh, for them to rush it through so fast. But they, they never did something like this for women mm. because there is no penis power behind it. Yeah. So now we're talking about clitoral power. Yeah, that's I mean, that's, <laughs> clitoral power. I that, love it. That is one thing that has come up on on both this podcast and my other podcast, Sick Boy, which is the just the lack of um, the lack of of like research that has gone into women's health overall, like, you know, under the entire umbrella of women's health compared to any other, any other sphere of health, you know, especially when we're like comparing, you know, women's health or men's health, what have you. Um, uh, but I, 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 I might've missed something here. What was the, what's the vagina fashion show? This sounds <laughs> I, I, like, I, 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 I get the sense that it was uh, meant to kind of spark a dialogue, but what was, what was the actual event? So the event was at uh, iHeartRadio. Uh, we basically, we said that there's going to be a designer vagina fashion show going on. <laughs> so many people showed up because it was a designer vagina fashion show. We had New York Post, New York Times, anybody you can think of was there. And within one day, we got 150 publications. <laughs> this is exactly in 2017 when Trump was running to become president. And back then on New York Post, Trump used to get the highest ranking. It was always like the most viewed. Any article that was about that sure. campaign and all of those, it was, oh, FBI said that, it would be the highest. So for three days back to back, we were actually higher than Trump. Oh, <laughs> wow. It was uh, the name of the article was the quest for double P, um, the pretty, you know, whatever they called it. Uh, but uh, they kept changing the name of the article reality is that we wanted to talk about people's experiences that how this can empower them from people who never enjoyed orgasms and now they actually enjoy an orgasm from a woman who never would let her partner go down on her and wanted the lights to be off because she felt uncomfortable with the looks and now she feels so much more comfortable and she gets orgasms all the time from somebody who had four kids vaginally and let's say now they had a vaginoplasty and we corrected the angle and now they feel like they just got married and they had they feel feelings that they haven't felt for the past four or five years and they basically the whole message was that look for everything there is fixing but unfortunately for women they taught women since they were girls that you know what this is normal. That's normal. That's to be ashamed of. You know, the area down there for women is called the pudendal area. It means the area to be ashamed of. Mm. So what does that mean? Since you are a kid, 
you start getting your first period. You have pain. Oh, that's normal. That's what you got to go through. You get pregnant. You have a baby. Oh, you know what? You got to go through this pain. It's what makes you a woman. It's just, you know, it, it, every woman goes through this. Now, gets even worse. You're having sex with your partner. I don't have an orgasm. I don't even know what orgasm is. It's okay. It's okay. That's normal, mom. Mm. The mother tells their daughter. Mm. I didn't feel any orgasms either. As long as your husband has fun and we make sure he comes, then everything is good. Mm. 80% of women don't really get orgasm with, uh, you know, with a penetrative sex. Mm. So that is a big problem. So we started talking about it. I'm like, listen, these are things that you can fix. You can change. Not necessarily completely fix, but you can modify. Mm. And that was the whole reason to take the taboo away from that and open the conversation. And I'm, I'm glad it, it did. Mm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. changed so much since we had that. And more people talking about it, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah. One thing that I find really fascinating about this whole story is that, you know, a big part of where you've, where you have found yourself kind of stems from uh, your background in growing up in Iran and the, the, you know, the, the sort of the culture there that uh, led you to realize, you know, the, the ways that, um, that female anatomy was like looked at over there. And, and of course, you know, even over here in the Western world and, you know, the lack of the lack of research that goes into women's um, reproductive health, um, I'm I'm wondering from like a cultural standpoint, did you have you like received any backlash from being an Iranian doctor who's so who's so outspoken about like women's pleasure and and the importance of like female reproductive health? I have from both sides. I I've gotten it from Iran, of course. I, I can't go back right now. You know, a lot of people told me make sure you don't come back here because oh, wow. especially with everything that's happening with Iran right now. I keep talking about it. I try to inform people what women are going through. It, it's the same theme, you know, mm. it's a different, I mean, now don't show your hair, uh, make sure nobody sees your hands, make sure you don't get an organ. So all of these things are really the same, but uh, yes, um, I, I can't really go back to Iran. I mean, mm. I can, but uh, you know, uh, so many things can happen. Uh, so that is, uh, of course, one thing. And even here, you know, so many people tell me, well, you know what, you have so many patients, you have actresses, you have, uh, you know, singers, you have people who pay you good money to do surgeries for them. Why do you keep talking about these things? Why do you want to bring so much attention to it? You don't need this. You can sit down in the office. I mean, right now I knew that we have this podcast. So I did half a day. And they are telling me, look, you can be, I mean, in New York right now, right now I'm in Houston, but in New York, I'm solidly booked if I want for the next year and a half. Mm. In Dubai, I have over 200 patients waiting for me to go do surgery on them. But I prefer to do something like this because I feel you need to talk about it. Mm. There aren't too many people that are talking about it. And I, I really appreciate you guys being one of those few people who are, taking that leap of faith because I get that actress who is, I'm not going to say names. And by the way, I'm going to say a name that's not my patient, but let's say if Julia Roberts was my patient, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody at level of Julia comes to me, close down the office for half a day, pay me a very good amount of money. Let's do the surgery. She has all her entourage with her. She comes back in two weeks. Thank you so much. This looks so good. You have sex. This is good. This is good. You are great. You are, you have magic hands. All right, great. Can we do a story? Can we talk about uh, female genital mutilation? Can we talk about, you know, orgasm inequality? All Mm. of those. Oh, come on. No, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Why? I don't want people to know. I don't even, I see all your posts on Instagram, but I don't even follow you. Dr. Marashi, you know what? I would pay you another $50,000. For nobody to know this vagina was touched. Mm. You know, this is the biggest problem. Our celebrities are not talking about this. Mm. And the same person told me, I mean, she's probably going to listen parts of this if I tell her, because we text each other, we laugh about it. But the same person told me, she's like, look, 
if you were my doctor in Beverly Hills, who's doing my lip injections, everybody would know about you by now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's okay to get my lips injected, but there is still a shame around there. Yeah, you know, and this is something we need to get rid of because that's the start of the problem. When you start getting rid of that shame and more people talk about it, then you can do more research about female sexual anatomy. It's interesting to me because I feel like there might be, and hopefully you can speak to this, some sort of public reaction to, oh, he helps people who have experienced female genital mutilation, who who aren't able to have orgasm, et cetera, et cetera, and being like, oh, he's so good for doing that. And it's so honorable to do that. But then, but then I could imagine some of the same people being like, but aesthetic surgery, that's not, you know, like who's, who's so vain that they're out there doing that. And that must be a really tough, that must be a really tough line to walk. Cause in some people's eyes, you can be both the villain and the hero. Like, what would you say to folks who don't see, who think that the, maybe the more aesthetic uh, surgeries are not as valuable as you mean, the, like a, like a like an elective cosmetic surgery, like, el- like like a. I, I don't like or I something? don't like the way it looks. Yeah, right. Yeah, it functions, but right. I don't like the way it looks. Right. No, that that's a very good question, and I deal with that question every day. First of all, if you come to me for a labioplasty, I always tell patients if somebody asks me, "Do I need labioplasty?" I'm like, "Listen, nobody needs it. Mm-hmm. It's something that you want." And to those people, I say, look, I come from a country that if you were gay, let's say, you know, they would throw you down a building or they would hang you. Mm. You didn't have that choice to do it yourself. You couldn't basically have your hair long. If I had my hair long in school, they would say, oh, are you a punk? You know, you couldn't dye your hair. You couldn't wear makeup as a woman, you know? Mm. So... I came to a country that you can make those decisions for yourself. Mm. You can go walk in the middle of any town in the U.S., even very conservative town, and you can dye your hair purple. You can have, I don't know, 50 rings on your ears. And this is your body. You decide about it yourself. Mm. And that's what I tell those people. It's a decision. If somebody wants to have a smaller nose or larger boobs, Do I go tell them why do you have this? You know? Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You know, in 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 talking about elective, um, you know, cosmetic-based surgeries, um, I I really I really like the point that you made, where it's like it's your body. If if you know if this is something that you feel you want to empower yourself to feel better, 
um, that's, I mean, hell yeah. You know, like that's, I think that's, you can, you can, if, yeah. And, and yeah, you can hear and that's great. Um, but the, the, the conversation, I don't think we've ever talked about female genital mutilation on the show. No. And, and that's actually, that's actually something that I, it wasn't until today that I knew we were going to be speaking with you, Amir, that I, I had realized, you know, that word is very familiar to me, female genital mutilation. I've, I'm, I'm aware of what that means, you know, um, I, at least I think it's, it, and, and you had said it earlier, it's, 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 you know, essentially just lopping off the clitoris. Um, but that's kind of all I know. That's sort of all I know about female genital mutilation. I don't think I know the, the sort of like cultural significance of it. I don't think I know, like, I, I probably couldn't name many places in the world that I know are like where it's being practiced still today. Um, like I, I feel I, I made that realization today, like, oh, wow, that's something I really have never kind of dived into to educate myself on. And I'm sure that if I'm saying this right now, there's probably at least one other person out there listening who also feels the same way. And I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of like insight into the, the reasons why female genital mutilation exists. What, what, is, what is the cultural significance there? What's the, and like, how is that practiced? How is that done, um, you know, today in comparison to something like a, a circumcision on a, you know, on a, on a baby boy? So uh, basically, it's done in parts of Africa, not to name too many countries, but it's uh, very common in Egypt. Uh, it's in parts of South, uh, West Africa is common. And I see a lot of these patients that, uh, you know, they thought it's completely normal when they were kids and they did it. Mm. Um, you know, it has started becoming a lot more important in the U.S. to all of us. When we saw, I don't know if you remember or not, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, actually, they arrested two doctors in Michigan that were actually performing this. Oh, my you God. Know? So FBI got these doctors that did like probably like, I don't know, hundreds of them. They could prove that they did like 10, 11. But by parents' consent, parents would actually bring them. Because most of these parents send the kid, the ones that they live in America, they send the kid back to their country, to grandparents for the summer. And they call it summer cutting. So they send them, you know, like a summer camp. And for the summer, the parents, basically the grandparents arrange the cutting for them. So that is, uh, that's kind of like a really big issue that FBI had to deal with. And I hope no more doctors are doing this here. Because it's, it's obviously like, oh, illegal in the U.S., correct? Like it's not. Of course. Yes, of right, course, right. Of course, yeah. It's, uh, it's not, look, it's mutilation. You're actually cutting a part of body that has a big function. Yeah. You know, it's not like making your nose smaller or anything. It's, a, it's an erectile tissue. Yeah. So this is how clitoris looks like, mm -hmm. yeah. right? So this is clitoral anatomy. And this is the glance when you look from the side. So we thought that this is the only part. And thank God, this is what they think. They think this is the only part. So they mm -hmm. only cut the glance, but they stitch it up. And these people get a lot of scar tissues, a lot of infection, unfortunately. And, you know, they, they completely disfigured for the rest of their lives. And you look at them and there's no clitoris, everything there is flat. But uh, we do ultrasound, we basically find the roots of clitoris, I, I dissect it open, and I relieve the tension, uh, we try to inject either stem cells, exosomes, PRP. We do everything we can to bring the sensation back to these patients. And I mean, wow. fortunately, I had a lot of, you know, uh, good results with that. Uh, but in reality is that I, I don't want to even call it a culture because a lot of people try to defend it and be, oh, it's religious or it's cultural. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? It's, it's stupidity. It's being really, really ignorant to a woman's body and woman's anatomy. They, you don't call, you don't cut your son's penis, you yeah. know? Yeah. You, yeah. you would never do that. Yeah. Yes, you do circumcision, but circumcision is very different. If you want to compare it, you know, they are cutting the actual clitoris, mm -hmm. but there is a hood around the clitoris. There's a skin around clitoris. If they cut that skin, I would say, okay, 
you know, we do clitoral hood reduction too. And some people, they have a lot of redundant skin and they want things to look nicer to them. Mm. So we do clitoral hood reduction, but they don't cut the hood. No. They cut the actual wow. clitoris itself. Yeah. It's um, I, like, it's wild to me that that's, I, I mean, it's wild to think that that's still going on. And, and the fact that that, like, that that has happened in the U.S., like, like, recently is just completely staggering um what's it, what's the like what's the age like typical age that you know for like the summer cutting like what's the typical age that they're they're sending girls over for for these types of procedures i mean the ones that i met usually i mean right now and i read about are like five six seven oh, years old god they hold them down. Yeah. Usually the grandma holds them down and a couple of people, because these girls, I mean, at the age of five, six, you're They're strong. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you can kick. Yeah. So they hold the two legs and like literally somebody cuts them. Oh my God. There's a lot, there's a whole nerve. We were just talking when, when we took a break there um, about, you said the word pedendum comes from parts that to be ashamed of and the whole nerve, like it, anatomically is named the pedendum. The pedendal nerve. nerve. Yes, so it goes to that area. Yeah. But what, like, are is chronic pain a, a symptom that comes with a female genital mutilation? Because, like, you're mm. you're cutting off nerve endings. So, I would assume. Like, how does that? Um, so, can you rectify that in surgery? So, because they get a lot of scar tissues there, they do have chronic pain. But remember, uh, the, the silver lining in the whole thing, which there's no silver lining, but it's really the fact that they do it at such a young age. So their body kind of heals and they kind of get used to it. Uh, so most of the problem that you see with these people, of course, I never see that infection and the pain they, was, they were going through when they were like six, seven, eight years old, because they would never come there. Like, oh, it's normal. The mom says I had the same thing too. Mm. I usually see them when they are smart enough. They are at the age that they can make decisions for themselves. They're in thirties, forties, even sometimes, mm. uh, because the parents would never bring to fix this, mm. you know? So that is, but of course they tell me their stories. They had so much pain afterwards for days. They couldn't walk. They would pee on themselves uh. because, you know, it's, a, there's a lot of proximity to, uh, urethra as well, so yeah. where you're urinating from. Well, so, uh, unfortunately, it, it, it's very sad. It's yeah, that that breaks sad. my that breaks my heart. Um, it, it, and what's like, you know, there's something that that came up uh, on Sick Boy a couple of weeks ago. Um, it would they just there was a uh, a, a doctor Blair Peters um, from the Oregon Health and Science University. Uh, the 10,000 nerves. That's right. Led a research, uh, they, they released a, um, a, a research publication that basically stated that they've, they've found out that the, that the clitoris has more than 10,000 nerve fibers. It's um, uh, also the, you know, for people who don't know, the clitoris is one of the, uh, one of the only uh, human organs that is, that is, has a singular purpose of providing pleasure. Um, and, you know, just just hearing of the of 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 that i mean i like i don't even want to call it a procedure just hearing of that of that awful awful mutilation like it just it that what's with I the i cannot imagine the pain like i cannot imagine how it's, painful that would be on an area that is so fucking sensitive that is so jam packed I mean, with nerve age, fibers at that I mean, age that, like it, the 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 medical trauma, you know, the the trauma that psychological that somebody, trauma. Yeah, too. it's just un unfucking believable. Like it really is. It really is heartbreaking. What's with the war on female pleasure from your perspective? Like, mm. what? Why is it so threatening? Yeah. Why? Why is it that it's 2022 and we only now just found out that you know the female that the clitoris has over 10,000 <laughs> nerve fibers? Like that is so crazy to me. You know, we, we didn't know even the anatomy of clitoris really well. No. When we went to medical school, clitoris was a prominence which existed where the two labias meet. That's what they told us. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody dissected the clitoris. Nobody looked inside. Nobody saw what's going on. Although there were dissections of clitoris from like hundreds of years ago. 
But what happened, and that's why I tell you, I said, I always thought God is a man because 100 years ago, Freud comes and he says that any clitoral orgasm is an immature orgasm. And in order for you to get a mature orgasm, it needs to be true penetrative sex and it needs to be inside the vagina. I mean, he didn't know clitoris goes all the way inside mm. and around the vagina. It hugs the front wall of the vagina. That's where you have all the you know, nerve endings. So this is the biggest problem. After what Freud said, and Freud was very strong, you know, back mm. then in the circles and everything, they like literally censored clitoris from all the anatomy books mm. and textbooks for the past hundred years. It's just coming back in the past five, six, seven years. It's just coming back. And we are all doing our parts. I mean, there are people who are trying to map the nerves uh, as you saw, because before this study that we had was on cows and sheep mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that has 8,000 nerves. Mm-hmm. Now we found over 10,000 nerves. What we are doing, me and my partner, we are doing a clitogram, which is uh, not to mistake it with Instagram. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a great social media platform. Like, yeah. where do I sign up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you already signed up. But, <laughs> but clitogram is basically doing an, alt- an ultrasound protocol for the clitoris. And initially, I, I started it to find out where the remnant of clitoris is in these patients with like female genital mutilation. And then slowly we are like, okay, let's use this to make labioplasties safer because over 50% of labioplasties I do are really fixing a botched labioplasty. So I'm like, let's be able to look at the clitoris with ultrasound before, look at all the vessels and everything we can see and make sure we make these surgeries safer. Mm. And I think every doctor should do that. I mean, you have the ultrasound machine in the office. Why don't you look at it? It's, you know, it's cool to make things look cute. You know, I, I have a lot of patients say, oh, I told them I want a Barbie vagina. and They made it like a Barbie's vagina. But you've got to be safe and mm. you've got to be functional. Remember, this is not, let's say, breast. That you're like, I don't want to have any more kids. Just make it like triple D and make it look like this because I love it. This is a functional organ. Mm. So you need to make it functional. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the reason we came up with clitogram. But then slowly we realized, you know, clitoris is just like penis. It changes with different things. With stimulation, you have the erection. You have a lot of blood supply to it. So we started doing more and more research. And the more research we did, and the more we looked at the clitoris with clitogram, we learned a lot more about it. We actually, the same conference that Dr. Uh, Peters had uh, his presentation, it was ISM, uh, a couple of months ago in Miami, we presented two presentations that were around clitogram. One was to kind of review what happens with the use of sex toys or sex devices. Right. With the clitoris, how it gets engorged. Because look, there's no science around female pleasure right now, but we are trying to change that. Yeah. Because it's a very important part. So anybody comes, oh, I made this sex story. It's amazing. I'm like, you know what? I will know it's amazing. If it's for a man and you give them Viagra, you know it's amazing when you see the erection in your face. Mm. When you get that erection, you know, well, this is amazing. When you see the ejaculation, you know, this is amazing. Same thing. Let's quantify it. Mm. Let's actually do a clitogram to see what's happening or with the gels, with different things. So just like any imaging, when you start, you don't know where it's going to go, but you started for one reason. You start finding a lot of different ways to use it. And it is important because nobody is ever... Clitoris was not that important for people to look at it. Yeah. Now somebody comes and say, oh, you know what? We have this medication, so-and-so drug company that helps women's orgasm. Okay, great. Let's look at the clitoris. Let's see the changes of the clitoris mm. with that. Mm-hmm. And we're getting a lot of pushback on that too, because of course, uh, you know, things that are easy and not complicated uh, usually are not liked by pharmaceuticals, you know? <laughs> 
Which, which is crazy to me because I feel like they're missing they're missing a whole fucking market like they're missing fifty percent of the market like you know if you like I, I mean all right but I mean that that that's probably a different conversation but but to what you were just saying right there and and this is something that I was really excited to kind of get into is you know I I know that uh, you know Bridey uh, I know that you're you've you've had a, a you know familiarity with sex toys over the years um, you know one of my Amir one of my very first jobs. Uh, I was 18. I worked in a sex shop, so I was selling vibrators and 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 porno mags to uh, to people in my community. Um, and so I'm I'm pretty familiar with with sex toys. God's as well. work and and familiar with like the <laughs> with the evolution of sex toys. Um, but uh, and and I know that we have a lot of listeners that also really enjoy uh, exploring new sex toys. And uh, I know that you have just recently uh, launched a physician backed anatomically aligned vibrator line, um, which like, I think if you're going to be buying a sex toy, mm. you're going to want to be buying a sex toy that's backed by a physician who knows the female anatomy. Um, uh, it, uh, I Please correct me if I pronounce it wrong. Is it Siri? What is, how do you pronounce it? C-E-R-E. Siree. Siree. Okay. If you go to the website, get Siree.com, C-E-R-E. Um, they're beautiful. I mean, these are beautiful, beautiful toys. Um, there's, you know, you've got your wand, you've got, uh, uh, one that looks, uh, looks like potentially a butt plug. Um, you've got the sort of like, uh, sort of U shaped, um, uh, like suction stimulator wand combo, but then you've got this other one, which I believe you might even have held up during the conversation here to give us a, yeah, the anatomically correct it looks like a clitoris, like the full anatomically correct clitoris, clitoris. But what's going on with this toy? Can you explain to me how this toy works? Because it, I'm looking at it. I'm going. How do I'm you, just going to just that? put it exactly where my clitoris yeah, is right. and I, just press it against it. my body. <laughs> is that, is that it? it? Holy shit! Really? <laughs> yeah, it's intuitive. It's intuitive, oh my folks. God. <laughs> so this Lalalina, I actually I take a lot of pride in it. Look, for the past twenty eight thousand years. Um, they've been making sex toys that look like penises. Mm. Starting from shaving like a cucumber or using bananas, different things to make toys. So if you go to toys that look like penises, they've been around for 28,000 years. Mm. You actually can go through the history and they actually found the old toys as old as 28,000. So that's number one. This is the first toy that actually <laughs> looks like a clitoris. Yeah, so yeah. it was very important. Yeah. And initially, I'm like, you know, even if I make this without a motor and I just give people something ornamental that looks like clitoris because I want to show this to every man mm -hmm. or every woman. Mm -hmm. And I've been showing it. I'm like, what do you think this is? Mm -hmm. You know, I have a sweater uh, from this that has the picture of this on the back. And in front, it says, you know, if you know. Oh. So, and the, everyone said, what is this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let so me know. The company, yeah. the company who made the mold for me to, until I told them, because we didn't want to say we are making this, uh, what it is, they called it the bird toy because right. to them it looked like a bird. Right. So, it is the clitoris, it has the glands, it has the cruise, it has all of them. And from this side is V, like mm. a victory. So mm. a lot of people say, oh, it looks like a wishbone. But yeah. uh, it, has <laughs> it has three motors. You have one here and two here. And what you do, you can like literally put the glands against the glands of the clitoris and the two sides on two sides of the labia, which mm. you're really following the clitoris. So it slowly stimulates, you know, the entire uh, clitoral organ. Uh, so this is basically the first toy that looks like a clitoris. It's, it's unbelievable. So cool. It's available right now for pre-order for folks who are, uh, who are curious. Christmas is coming up, so, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's a good, uh, and good other, time. And other, and Tanaka. That's right. Good time of year. And, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I love it. Like, I, I really love it. And, and I guess like, you know, from, from a, from, uh, like a consumer point of view, um, you know, the, the other toys are available for purchase right now. Like what has been the feedback from, from folks that have been using them? Have you heard from people 
you know, I know I like I know that like the the wand, like the Hitachi is kind of like, you know, everybody I've talked to who've used it, they're basically like, oh, this is this is great. This works really well. I maybe like heard from one person who was like, it didn't really work for me. It's like you kind of got to find your fit. You got to find the toy that like works for you. You know, the, the big thing recently were, were those those like uh, clitoral suction toys that really kind of like blew up over the last couple of years. Um, so what what have people been saying about the the toys that you guys have put together here at Saray? So look, I think we're getting a lot of good feedback. Uh, the thing is that I have some stuff that are since you are sex experts, you guys <laughs> yourself, and you work in a... Um, I tell you the reasons I made it the way I made. First of all, the investors hate me because uh, (laughs) we had different options for the silicon. And I went with the most expensive silicon that's uh, medical grade. And a lot of toys you see, they tell you it's medical grade, but medical grade even has one, two, three. So this is something that you can actually use in the body. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. So we wanted to use a very good silicon. The second thing, look at this, it's flexible. So you go against the body, it's soft, but you can yeah. like literally do like any angle. So, and then if you see most of my toys, I use the black color for them. That's the main theme because as a gynecologist, 70% of the office visits that we have for patients are due to either bacterial vaginosis or yeast mm, infection. Mm-hmm. And guess what? People don't wash their toys really well. Black is Even a if great you have a, idea. Of course. You're going to you see it. You have a little it. piece of lint on it. You yeah. have a little, like, even water spot. Unless you're a nasty person, you're going to this is dirty. Let me wash it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Very smart. I love that. Oh, man, you just mentioned bacterial vaginosis. And I'm like, when can you record again? Because <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. some questions. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to go there now. Uh, that's, your, uh, that's your that's your boogeyman. <laughs> well, I TV. mean, it's just like it doesn't seem like anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit <laughs> hole, but it seems like people don't really know where it comes from. They yeah. don't really it just runs its course. And then it mm. it's like idiopathic. And then it it's what's it called? Self-limiting is when an illness sort of right. t- takes care of itself. Mm. And it's a total. But again, it's we've already been chatting for an hour. We don't have time to go down that yeah. the BV conversation, but uh, I, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm really, just really, I'm learning so much, and I'm really grateful. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much, Doctor Amir uh, Marashi. This has been, this, I mean, it's it's been it's been fascinating to talk to you, and 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 also, um, you know, there there's, uh, it's hard for me to put my finger on the feeling that I that I have when I have conversations like this, but. I guess it's a feeling of, um, I guess it's a feeling of like restored hope, you know, uh, to know that, uh, the, the, these types of conversations are happening with people like, uh, you know, when we have these conversations, these conversations with people like you who are actually in the field, in the, in the, in the science, you know, in the, in the practice, um, where you, you really know your stuff, your, your, your hands on with it, um, you know it inside and out, but you're also not just going to work, doing the job, and then like coming home and you know rolling unplugging. around in your money. Yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> there's 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 a message behind the work that you're doing as well, which I think is like so vitally important. So so it is it it is a really wonderful feeling to know that people like you exist out there who are pushing the needle even further ahead for you know female reproductive health because. Again, it's one of the things that has astounded me more than anything out of doing podcasting, health-based podcasting for seven years now, um, that female health has just been ignored um, from from all all perspectives. Like it's it's just so much further behind than it than it really should be. Um, you know, we're living in the future. We're living in. We are we are now beyond the year that Blade Runner took place, and so like we live in a future sci-fi film. Yet we still are just just coming to terms with the the notion that the clit has ten thousand nerve fiber fibers, right? So, thank you for your work. Like it, it really really does mean the world to us that you're doing this, and and that you took time today to sit down with us and to spread your message even further. We we really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you guys are doing because you know what? I'm one person and of course I can touch so many lives for my patients and everything, but you guys giving me and people like me 
the opportunity to spread this message. And that is very important. So thank you for doing what you guys are doing too. Thank you, Dr. Marashi. This has been great. All right, there we have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation that we just had. And uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast further, you can do that by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to uh, support the podcast even further than that, which you can. Wow. You can You're go to, so kind and thoughtful and so generous. Thoughtful, so generous. Go to patreon.com slash turn me on uh, to become a patron and help us uh, keep this podcast afloat. Well, if you want to reach out to us, turn me on podcast at gmail.com is always open for all of your messages. That's the best way to get in touch. If you have a question for us, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you have a recommendation for a guest on the show, or if you just want to send us a little love note, uh, email money transfer, uh, all of that sex toy, <laughs> you know, we're, we're our email inbox is open to you. That is it for this week. Until next week. Why don't you go touch yourself? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.